0: Welcome to the Midlife Mail Podcast, a podcast designed to help men maximize middle age and live healthier, wealthier, stronger, and happier. I am Greg Scheinman, and I'm inviting you to join the thousands of men who listen each week, receive my Midlife Mail newsletter, and are committed to making this next phase of life our best phase. If you have not yet downloaded my No BS Guide to Maximizing Midlife, where I break down the three principles to maximizing middle age and taking back some of that shit you've given up, head on over to midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. Guys are loving these three principles to maximizing middle age, and you can download your copy today at midlifemail.com forward slash no BS guide. nothing changes, if nothing changes, that is the mantra of my guest today, Mr. Brian Mazza. Brian is a high performer in every sense of the word and is giving individuals and corporations an inside look at what it takes to operate on a high octane level. Brian's latest venture is HPLT, high performance lifestyle training, where he specializes in providing in real life experiences, focusing on bringing out the best in every individual. Most importantly, Brian is a proud father and husband. It's all over his Instagram, check it out. It's adorable. With no intention of slowing down, he is destined to become an unstoppable force utilizing his personal brand and beyond. Brian is an elite athlete, serial entrepreneur, two-time men's health cover athlete and founder of HPLT high performance lifestyle training. He knows the only way to spur adaptations is by committing to constant improvement. This was a pleasure. This was a privilege. It had been a long time coming, and I really appreciate Brian joining me on the Midlife Male podcast today. So let's get to it now. Brian Maza, how you doing, buddy?
1: How you doing? Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I know we've been trying to link for a while and Mainly my fault of not being able to uh, lock down the time, but happy we're able to do that tonight.
0: Well, hey, no, no fault whatsoever. Keeping up with you is a task in itself, you know, right there. So I'm appreciative of of the time that uh, that I can get in your generosity in sharing with me and sharing with the guys out there because there there's a lot to learn, man, from yeah. from from you and from what you're up to and what you've experienced and what you continue to experience. Um, so. I want to get first. First, I want to get. At, I want to get at this. Uh, it is what is it, seven o'clock Central Time right now. So eight o'clock Eastern mm-hmm. in the evening. Nothing makes me happier than when I get a message back from from a guy that says, "Hey, like my son is fall. He's asleep on me right now. I've got to put my son down." Okay, then I'll get. Just being a dad first and foremost. Like nothing makes me happier than hearing those things from other dads and from other guys who were just comfortable with saying like, that comes first. Like, I'll get on with you, Greg. Like, Hey, we're going to do this, but here's what's happening in my house as a dad. I just, I love, I love hearing that stuff and kind of the human aspect of family and fatherhood coming out there. So one, I just thought that was cool that you shot that over before we were starting, but talk to me a little bit about like, what's nighttime, you know, what's nighttime like
1: in the Mazda house? It's, it's it's actually really hectic and sometimes very stressful, just to be totally honest. Um, between both of our schedules, my wife and mine, it's on the go 24-7, and it's not always the healthiest thing. And I, I think people need to understand that, that if you are chasing dreams and you are trying to accomplish certain goals that you have set for yourselves, some things will definitely get on the back burner, which is not always the best thing. And I think we're starting to realize that more than ever on, on certain aspects of life. But like, for instance, you know, our, uh, our nanny left, had to leave early today at, at four 30. I mean, at four o'clock and, you know, my day, I, I had literally had back-to-back calls and zooms, um, up until now. Um, so that's hectic. My wife, you know is producing shows and, and on TV and doing all these things as well so she, she, her time is extremely busy and more than her more than me when people need her she has to be available um and that's just the life that we chose but you know we also do a very good job of spending the time we need to spend with our children especially at night during dinner um bedtime nap time bedtime bath time and everything there so You know, I I think it's really important that we definitely split up the duties at night sometimes where if she has a call, then I'll take over and vice versa. Um, but I really love nighttime with my children and doing babas with them and putting them to bed and spending that really quality time because even, you know, my kids are four and two, I see them growing so fast already. And I know that this time is extremely limited and as frustrating as it gets sometimes, um, I know people that have older kids are like cherish these moments because it's going to go by faster than you think and you know, and they're not going to need you to go to bed anymore, Um, and you're going to miss that. So the night times are really hectic, but you know it's a life that we chose and the life that we're chasing. So it is what it is. But you know, being a parent and being a dad is first and foremost the most important thing in my life. So if I have to push a call or have to text you and say, hey you know, Lukey just fell asleep on me. I'll be there by eight. We have to do that. Unfortunately.
0: Mm. I, I would say it's fortunately, you know, there too. Um, and you know, when I think about the ages of four and two, you know, minor 15 and 18 right now. So every cliche you've heard is, is absolutely true about cherishing all the moments you will at certain point. It will be getting them out of bed. That will be the issue as opposed to getting, getting them into bed. And all of the stages um, are, are absolutely awesome. Uh, You've mentioned, you've said the word chasing now twice, like chasing dreams,
1: chasing. What are you chasing? You know, it's usually like now people are saying, what are you running from? Cause I'm running so much. <laughs> um, I think I'm chasing a life that is, you know, forever going to be evolving. I think I'm chasing self-progression. I'm chasing, putting myself and my family in the be- best position possible to succeed. So that's what I'm definitely chasing. Do I need more toys? No. Do I need more money? It's always great to have more money, but we're fine and everything is great. So it's not chasing materialistic things per se, although I am human and some of that does make me happy. Um, but I think I'm just chasing being myself as much as I can and improving every single day um, as just a human being. I'm I'm really thirsty for that. I'm thirsty to lace up my running shoes every day and and go for really long runs and get more in tune with myself and hopefully become a better person for my family. So that's what I'm definitely chasing. I don't think I'll ever stop chasing that in general. Um, And in doing so, you know, you reap the benefits of getting in better shape. You reap the benefits of more uh, mental clarity. Uh, Hopefully along the way I can still produce and and make more money. Um, So my family does have some financial freedom as we continue to grow. So that's definitely what I'm chasing. I'm just chasing trying to be the best I could be trying to stay as young as I possibly can be um, and just becoming better.
0: Mm. You know, look at you and I, and I, you know, what I see and what comes across to me is that you've had this unique ability to combine, you know, personal passions with, with professional expertise. You've just done this, you know, amazing job from the outside looking in and saying, you know, this, these, these are the things that I love. I love to do. and, And you're, commitment and passion for health and wellness and even style, you know, and style and fashion and brands and products. And you've been able to build this personal brand and combine it with professional expertise. I mean, you've, you've done hospitality, you know, you've done consumer products, goods, you've gotten yourself on the cover of men's health magazine, you're wearing the hat for high, you know, high performance. And I'd love to define kind of what high performance means for you, but I'd love for you to maybe take, take us through kind of how you almost modeled this out, you know, in your mind, like, okay, how do I evolve into combining, you know, these passions? How do I build a brand, grow it, scale it, monetize it? And I think, I mean, I think we get, I say this a lot, like we get the why, like I get the why, like, Hey man, it's awesome to be in great shape and run far and lift heavy things and really wear cool stuff and try awesome products. The how, like you put it all together and turn a brand into into a business, especially around yourself and your family and how transparent you are with all that. It's the how that fascinates me.
1: Yeah. You know, and I appreciate the kind words. Um, it, it's just really authentic to me. So it's not something that's forced. And I think that's really important for people who want to, you know, display their life, um, how they want people to really see it it's really authentic. It's really to the core of who I am as a person. But I think like, you know, reverse engineering, you know, creating hospitality brands and creating really strong hospitality brands. Um, I was always at a a young age doing it in the twenties, um, before like social media really started. I mean, there was Facebook and stuff, but I was always asked, where do you get your clothes? Where do you get your custom shirts? Where do you do this? Where do you do, where do you where do you do whatever? And I guess at the time I didn't realize, um, how important that would be 10 years down the line for me. Um, but at that time I was doing basically social media promotion in other ways where if it was, Hey, let's start a custom clothing company because people are always asking where I get my custom shirts and all this stuff. Now, now maybe I'm working with a custom company and pushing their brand because I have a following in fashion and, and, and all that stuff. So I, I think at a, just a young age, I was always, uh, maybe a little ahead of the curve on certain style. Um, and just always, you know, when I was wearing tights without shorts in New York city, when, you know, when, when boutique fitness just started, I mean, people would make fun of me and, and, dog me all the time and talk to me on my back and say, what is he doing? Is he this? Is he that? And then over time, I saw all these people start to change and wear tights. And then it became such a mainstream thing where you look down Fifth Avenue on a Saturday, every guy is wearing tights or athleisure gear. And it became popular. Not saying I started that trend, but I was just comfortable within myself to say, hey, the tights feel comfortable when I train. I feel like more of a professional athlete when I dress like this. So I want to do it. And people might have a problem with it. And that's fine. You know, I was wearing skinny jeans really way before a lot of people were doing all of that. And a lot of people made fun of me about it. Um, but now it's like skinny jeans are are popular. So I think I just was really secure with myself in that sense. Um, and then, you know, people are always going to talk about you and you are human and it so- sometimes bothers you. But it's like if those people aren't really writing your paychecks or signing your paychecks or if you don't really respect those people, then... I would always say, well, then it just doesn't really mean anything. You know, if it was like my mom or dad or someone, I'd be like, okay, maybe I should maybe maybe I should chill out here with something. But, you know, as the years progressed and social media started to become more of the norm and I was having opportunities to make some money in that world and work with some really awesome brands, I was I had the fortitude to really think that okay, this can be something that could be a really uh, big career change when the time is right. And this is something that can really become a leveraging tool for you to start other businesses and other avenues and streams of revenue. So I never just looked at like Instagram as a singular platform for me to just talk about my lifestyle. I use it and use it early on as a pillar and a platform to get me to other places in order to make money and chase other businesses and ideas that I wanted to create. So I think, you know, going back to your question, this, in that sense, it's just, I think I was just really secure with who I was and how I wanted to dress and how I wanted to, you know, look and, and train and feel and be, and it was more like of a feeling to be honest. With if I was feeling good, then I was just like, whatever, this feeling is great. I'm going to, I'm going to ride with it. I think if it wasn't feeling good, I wouldn't have attacked the way I did.
0: Mhm. And I think it's a great point, you know, the common thread on on a number of things that the, that you mentioned, uh it really is confidence. You know, this authenticity and and confidence. Um and you seem also really close with your family, you know? Father, brother, like and you mentioned like maybe it was my mom or dad who said that like I would listen a little bit closer. Like take me back a little bit like did this confidence and security, you know, um from how you were raised and your upbringing and relationship with your family, because look, confidence is hard. I mean, even to fake it, you know, in a lot of ways, but yeah, to it really is. be, you know, truly confident. And again, and comfortable and being able to embrace what feels good. And, and I love that you mentioned like, yeah, you know, people talk a lot of shit, you know, they say it's easy to cat, you know, to throw stones out there. It's also easy to say stuff doesn't bother, you know, doesn't bother me you know, out there. And, Kind of does, you know, sometimes, you know, we're all, we're all human in that regard. Um, but it had to be interesting to watch the tide turn from, hey, I'm like this outlier, you know, in a way it feels good and comfortable to me. Watch the tide turn to, wait a minute, not only am I not the outlier anymore, but people are actually listening, adopting, and there's something, I don't only is there's something to this, but then that next phase you mentioned, which I also liked, you know, we're here to make a living. We're here to make money, you know? Like like that's real influence is whether or not you can move the needle financially.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you know, at the end of the day, you have to move the needle financially. If you're going to be, have a family and, and be a dad, especially the dad, I want to be and put my kids in the best position to succeed as long as they do work hard, you know, not just put them in a position to succeed. They have to earn it. Um, but I remember vividly, and I say this, that you have to, if you're going to do certain things that you're, you're going to be an outlier or you're going to stand out and do all You have to be able to back it up. And that's another big point that a lot of people don't do. I remember vividly as a young kid seeing, you know, a big soccer player that I love and who I'm very friendly with this day, fortunately, Alessandro Del Piero or David Beckham, wearing white cleats. And I remember as a young kid, I was always told on the soccer pitch, if you wear white cleats, you're usually a prima donna or usually this or usually that. So I just remember I was always a, ve- I was a very good soccer player growing up. I got a scholarship to play in college that I was like to my dad, dad, get me the white cleats. And he was like, I don't know if you should get them. I'm like, just get me the white cleats. I can ball. I can play. I'm going to bring it every game. I'm going to bring it. And it's just, just get me them. I can back it up. And I remember him doing that for me and just showing up and dominating leagues and winning titles and winning national player of the week and all of these things. And they didn't say anything poorly about me. If I couldn't ball and I had the white cleats, you'd say, why does he have white cleats? He really shouldn't be playing like in that position or whatever. But I also very vividly remember my dad like, always doing push-ups or always like making me grab his arm to feel his muscles and fun stuff like that. So I think I saw my dad, um, just as a really confident man, you know, it wasn't confidence in the sense that like, look at me, I, you know, my dad was a school teacher, right? So he didn't make crazy money. He had an awesome job. And I think having the unconditional love of him supporting me every single day and him never, ever, ever saying no to me when I wanted to go run routes playing football, or I wanted to take ground balls, or I wanted to go shoot on him in soccer or I wanted him to watch me do the Allen Iverson crossover 800 times outside, he never, ever said no. He was always like, let's go. Dad, it's cold out. I want to run routes. We'd go run routes. Hey, Dad, let's do ground balls all the time. Okay, let's do ground balls. And he always did it. So I think that him having that position of a school teacher and being, being able to come home earlier than most parents, having that unconditional love, Or him making me cut the grass with him and having fun doing it. Or when we would rake the leaves, have fun doing it, and then run routes jumping into the leaves. So I just think him being super present and in my face as a positive figure gave me the confidence that I know how much he loves me. I know how much he wants me to become the best I can be. I think that gave me the confidence to excel as an athlete, excel as an entrepreneur, and never be scared to take on any challenge. So I think that's it. It wasn't like he gave you know he was super rich or this and that and he gave me the tools and said, Go do it. He was it wasn't about that. It was hands on. It was experience with him. It was just watching him be a leader, watching him coach other athletes as well. He was a coach and a assistant athletic director. So I saw the 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 touch and the care that he had on students on athletes, on my family, on myself and my brother and my sister and my, my mom that I just never felt that I could fail.
0: Mm. And I love the notion that, I mean, rich has a lot of meanings, you know, so, do, so does wealth and it and it transcends, you know, the financial aspect, you know, what you're talking about in terms of confidence and work ethic and presence, you know, I mean, and, you know, we talk about, about it a lot in, in my house too, which is, Look, whatever you want to be, you can become. Mm? And whatever your definition of success, you know, is, I mean, you get to write that. You know, you get to f- define that and be the best at whatever it is you choose, you choose to do. I mean, if your vocation becomes mm, is teaching school and that's the profession that you want to be the best at it. You know, make the most you can make in the profession. Wonderful. Win with that. If you want to do Whatever else it is, the opportunities are there. But you know, the grounding of the effort, the attitude, the confidence, the security, the work
1: ethic—you
0: uh, know—that stuff you, you can't put a price on that.
1: And you know? uh, yeah, and you're right. And I also saw the way he treated other people, um, whether it was the garbage man or whether it was the guy at the deli who he'd get coffee from every day, and. <laughs> uh however he was always really really respectful and very helpful to anybody who needed help and i think that's also a really big sign of confidence if you're willing to treat everyone with respect if you're willing to help people who might have less than you um he was always a really stand up guy in that sense and i think that's why my brother is, is also one of the most stand up human beings i know um and who deserves the world just you know watching him now be like my dad or emulate my father in that sense. My brother's 10 years older than me. So I, I see that. And he has kid, he has a daughter. And I remember vividly like my dad, you know, when, when clothes didn't fit me or if I had extra shoes or whatever, he would bring them and give them to kids who were less fortunate and in his school as a teacher. And that was just the guy he was. So it still is to this day, you know? So I just think that's what gives pe- That's what gave me the confidence to, to just always be in the fight.
0: Mm. you, you're wearing it right now i mean you have uh have titled you know various business ventures that you have high performance high performance lifestyle training now high performance ventures define high performance for me what does it mean to you
1: well it's i love this question because um it means something different to everybody um i really personally believe that everyone is a high performer not everyone knows it and not everyone knows how to tackle it, ignite it, start it, or continue to be it. Um, and that's why I really started high performance lifestyle training because I wanted to put a mix of people together and see what I, what would come out of the melting pot. When you would have someone who is an Uber strong, fast athlete, someone who crushes it and makes tons of money, someone who didn't know that they can run two miles, but did it someone who's trying to lose weight and, and just figure out their life. I wanted people to understand. I wanted everyone to bring their tool set and I wanted people to, who were really awesome and fit and really can get it to sharpen their tools. I wanted someone to just bring their dull tool set and, and start to sharpen it and see that there is light at the end of the tunnel, or this might be a better way of going about life. So for me though, the definition of a high performer is someone who is living their best life to their best ability. It doesn't mean that you can run 50 miles. It doesn't mean you could deadlift 500 pounds. I know people that just run five K's all the time, crush it at work, crush it at home, make a ton of money and they're high performers. So you, you know, high performers wear many, many different outfits, but I think it's putting yourself as a human being in the best position possible Health wise, finance, financially, um, relationship wise, that to me is the biggest high performer.
0: Mm. I mean,
1: it's it's a great point. It's this the balance word is
0: overused, you know. But like we all have this pie chart, you know. I define it, you know, and I think you've caught you've you've you have your Fs too. You know, I have my six Fs that I talk about: family and and fitness and finance and food, which is nutrition and fashion and style and you know fun, which is extremely overlooked in, in certainly middle age, you know, there, and we got to bring back all of that fun. And you, and at various times of your life, you know, maybe the slices of the pie are divided up differently, you know, where you have to place your priorities. You know, you have young kids, then I have teenage kids, whatever, certain times work takes precedent, maybe over fitness, you know, I mean, but, but it's still a pie, you know, and how we divide it up that encompasses, you know, really what the definition of high performance is. And maybe you over-index in certain areas or you gravitate, you know, towards certain ones more than others. But the idea is that, hey, in order to really be a high performer, you know, you can't be ignoring these other important aspects of, of overall life. I mean, and, and you touched on it and it's so true. Yeah. Look, you can be in great shape mm-hmm, and you can have a wonderful family. Also would be nice if you can afford to take them places, you know, and do certain. Let's so like, we can't ignore that aspect, you know, of things. Maybe we have to dial down some of the hours, you know, of the training. Or as you said, you may be crushing it at work, but you don't want to die at your desk either. You know? So maybe we need to talk about that, you know, side of a little bit of what con- what constitutes again, really high performance and keeping these things yeah. in perspective.
1: I also think there is no balance really. Mm-hmm. Um And I think people talk about balance and is there real balance and there really isn't any balance. And that's why I feel like living a high performance lifestyle is the most important because then you have the clarity of executing on all of the factors that you want to execute on very well.
0: Like, yeah, I haven't been to one of your your high performance lifestyle training um, excursions yet weekends. I would love to. Unfortunately, they have not lined up. I have watched them from afar. Okay. With the men you bring in to speak, you know, the the training that you're doing. Um and, and here's also what I love in terms of lifestyle. Like I love the the pursuit of high performance physically, you know, the physical challenge aspect. You want to put me in the cold water, on the beach, linking arms, down there, watching the sunrise with that. Like Fantastic. You know what I also love? I love going to the Four Seasons afterwards or the Cadillac or whatever and sleeping in a beautiful bed, having a great be- There's only so much torture, you know, I want sure. to endure. Give me the physical challenge you know all day long, but let me not kid anybody out there like I want to be pampered also. You know,
1: I want the, me too. I, the mean, hair. I, I, I want I, the great clothing, you know? Yeah, I think but that's what it is. It's it's really like, you know, living that best life like i stay at the best hotels i do because when i travel i want to enjoy it and that's what i work hard to enjoy certain things you know that that maybe some people overlook but that works for me and my family we enjoy that you know so it's not good or bad it's just what works for us and makes us happy mm-hmm. so yeah you know also i love getting sand kicked in my fucking face <laughs> in freezing cold water with navy seals And, but I also love after that, putting on a robe and getting in a nice shower. So like, it is what it is, right? Like I I love, maybe it's just one end of the spectrum to the other, but for me that all that crap makes me really happy. Like the lineup we have for Austin is wild. And, you know, we're introducing a new format called HPLT games, which is going to be who is the fittest civilian in in major cities across the country with a, a huge prize purse at the end of the year we're launching. So, you know, and it's going to be brutal. It's going to be anaerobically brutal for people to get through that. But at the end of the day, you know, then it's massage guns and food trucks coming and and living a a really cool life and a lot of fun. So, yeah, I, I think you don't have to be, I mean, listen, we had David Goggins at our first one. You don't have to live a life like David Goggins to be a high performer, but that works for David. David has to live that life in order for him to succeed. Mm -hmm. And he knows that. And that's how he set himself up. I don't need to live my life like that. Right? Yeah, I ran 18 miles today. It was awesome. You you don't have to run that 18 miles in order to be a high performer. Right? Like, you just don't. My wife does Peloton. She's the ultimate high performer. She murders it at work. She's a great mother. She does her thing. She looks at me when I run 18 miles like, you're the fucking mental case. So, it's different for everyone. But, yeah, I mean… I'm very fortunate that I was able to create a high, high performance lifestyle training um, business in our summits and and get access to a lot of people that I look up to and access to a lot of people that others look up to and bring them to them um, and allow them to really experience what it means to them as being a high performer. Um, and I want people to pull what they want to pull from them and uh, apply it to their life.
0: Yep. So I'm I'm going to go back to to the dichotomy in the relationship um, um, with your, with your wife and the hey you're crazy for running and like just how the how that works out in a, in a relationship. But where I wanted to go now before before I forget is also the transition from high performance lifestyle training, mm-hmm, this evolution into high performance ventures.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, love and, it
0: and which which I love this, this transition. It's another level of, again, I think combining personal passion with professional expertise and getting involved. And what I've been seeing is a lot of these guys that I even came up and grew up with in New York and Long Island and Miami and LA, these were guys that were blowing and going, you know, they were in hospitality, they were in nightlife, they were in all these, well, guess what? Okay. They're now in their forties and fifties. They've also transitioned to health and wellness. Day has become, you know, has taken over, you know, for night in a lot of instances. We're seeing a lot of these guys also that have done very well in the financial world or hedge fund investment bank, not want to be in the traditional area, go after things that make a difference, you know, change their perspectives, take better care of them. I just love where this is all going, you know, Uh, where it actually is. And we're just seeing more guys transition over to it. And and evolve. So this high performance ventures, consumer products, goods, health and wellness, direct to consumer, take, take me through like your mindset on how, where you saw this, you know, how you wanted to deepen those relationships, um, and, and turned it again into another venture.
1: Sure. So, you know, there's nothing bad that has ever come out of fitness for me, besides getting injured a couple times, but even with through getting, injures, getting injured and, and debilitating injuries, like tearing my Achilles and all that stuff, it always was a, a new layer of getting through adversity and getting and becoming better, right? So there was nothing ever, nothing ever negative has come out of fitness for me. So even when I was training at Tone House all the time and getting injured, but I met this guy, Derek Goodman, who now is my partner in HBL Ventures, who ran a huge hedge fund in New York, and now he's starting another hedge fund, but now he's super fit and into it. So fitness, again, led me to now a guy being my partner and whatever. But as I was getting involved in social media more and working with these brands and and advising on these brands, not just posting selfies or shirtless photos with products and stuff like that to get engagement, as annoying as it is sometimes, it's part of the business. I was saying to myself, wow, I'm, you know, yeah, it's really lucrative and what I'm making, these brands are making way, way more money on. Just like, you know, sometimes an athletes gets paid, if, if they can make what they're making in that, you know the organization is making so much more money in order to pay that. So I just kept saying to myself, when the time is right, if I could do enough research, I have enough friends in finance, I have enough friends um, who enjoy fitness, who know consumer goods, who've created billion-dollar companies, I want to start my own venture capital fund. And I really want to go after high-performing brands, brands that align with my ethos, brands that align with me. And I don't want to just do Instagram deals. I just want to now start doing, if you want me to work with you and your brand, I want equity in your company. I want to advise and I want to either be the face or I want to help you grow it. And that has allowed us to really work with a lot of emerging brands that need help with growth, that need help with engagement, that need help with Coming to a thing like high performance lifestyle training, which essentially not only is a self progression tool, but it's also a brand incubator summit where a lot of these brands come to get major visibility from all of these people and all the content we produce. So it all lined up perfectly where I'm saying, okay, we have all these brands coming to us to work with them with us. Now let's either invest in their company too. Either we don't get paid, but we'll invest in you let us get a really great deal. Let us get in early um, if we believe in it. And it just, the time is right. But I also knew that I don't have a finance degree. I never worked in finance. So I needed to go out and get someone who knew how to operate, not just like a hedge fund, but also could help me with the venture capital fund in order to give me that stamp of approval. So when I go to these major people that I know want to get access to certain brands early it wouldn't just be like, well, what does Brian know about this and that? How is he gonna how is he gonna manage the fund? How is he gonna do all these things? Um, is he gonna even be able to get the K1s on time? Like stuff like that. I went out and got someone who, and I'm not ashamed to say it, just knows way more than me. And it's a great relationship because I get all of the deals, the majority of the deals, I present them to him, like, you know, hey, these this is what I'm thinking, this is what I think we can do. Let's get this person. This will help this brand grow. And we end up really accelerating a lot of these brands um, while getting in early and getting equity um, and and watching them grow. The Midlife
0: Mail podcast would not be possible without the support of some incredible brand partners. I only recommend brands I use, believe in, and trust, and each brand was handpicked by me for a specific reason. I believe in these guys, not just because they're great companies with great people behind them, but because the stuff works. I use these to stay at my peak and I suggest you do too. So go over to midwifemail.com and click on special offers for exclusive midwifemail mail discounts and promotions. How much, you know, I, I, you mentioned, obviously you have a partner in this and, and how much do you delegate you know, and how hands-on are you with everything? Because again, we'll go back to the beginning of the, of the conversation, sure. probably even before I hit the record button. I was like, you know. Look, watch even just watching you is exhausting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the schedule that you keep, mm-hmm. how much again is this truly happening in real time? How much are you delegating? Um, back to again, I get the why, I love the how. Like, how much time are you shooting with with, with Mark, creating content, how things go up, looking at deals. How big is your team, if there is one, or how much of a of a one-man band, a prolific one man band, are you still?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's really interesting as as we're continuing to grow where I think we're hitting a ceiling now where it's like, we have to hire more people and we have to do that. But, you know, Mark, for instance, phenomenal content creator, someone who's super reliable and really available. And I think that's also a good lesson for people to learn here is that if you're available and you're reliable, you can succeed at anything. And he's, he's my man for that. So, you know, we block out times every week that we shoot and we execute, we know how to work together. We are in sync with each other and we execute at a pretty rapid pace. Um, but in terms of like the, the venture capital fund, you know, I know my role and my partner knows his role. And I think that's really important in order for entrepreneurs to grow because we try to do everything ourselves and we usually takes longer and a lot of errors, um, in order for us to accomplish what we want to do. But from day one, when I spoke to my partner with the venture capital fund, I said, "This is what my skill set is. This is what I can do. I can't do what you do, so you do what you do really well, and I'll do what I do really well, and that's just how it's going to operate." And he agreed on that. Um, so that's just how it works. So you know, I I vet the decks, I vet the deals, and then you know, when things I think I get that feeling in my stomach that this is the right one or this is one I would like him to dig into further on the financial side of things. I I send it over to him. Um, And then, you know, I go out and raise the money. So, you know, so that's my role. But in terms of, you know, I I utilize my wife too for a lot, a lot of resources. I utilize my wife for a lot of organization. I utilize her for a sounding board. And, you know, to be honest with you, she's usually the one who disagrees with me the most on everything. Um, And I think that's not for any other reason that she wants me to succeed. And she wants me to think things through because sometimes I'm like, you know, a blazing gun when I want to do this or do that. Um, you know, like when I wanted to run my 50 mile race, she was like, why, like, why do you want to do that? And I explained why. And she was the number one person behind it. I told her I'm going to run the New York city marathon. She was like, why do you have to run another race? And I told her the reason behind it. And she was like, okay, I'll get behind it. So, um, Whenever I have a new business idea or I want to do this and do that, I usually run it by her first um, and usually not what I want to hear from her. Um, that's just how she operates because she wants me to be sure I know what I'm talking about and know what I'm, I'm, I want to do. And I think that's why i become more successful rather than going to her and saying, hey, I want to go to the moon. And she'll be like, yeah, go to the moon. You know, <laughs> It's more like, no, oh, idiot. Like, Slow down reverse engineer it, put the, put the pieces in the puzzle the right way and then go do it. So, you know, I, I, I also have, you know, someone who works for me in another country who, who works in Colombia, and she organizes a lot of my social media with me. She helps me on a lot of different projects. She builds decks for me. She does, um, certain tasks that I have no clue on, on social or on the website. And it's just a great flow that I'm very fortunate enough to have that. But I think we're getting to a point now where we have to maybe hire some more people because we're starting to get these really big brand deals that require more than just me and Mark shooting for two hours. It's, it requires analytics. It requires um, building decks. It requires plans and getting in touch with other influencers and other people that can help build a brand or athletes. So I think now it's time to, to take that next leap
0: mm-hmm where do you where's your line maybe between you know how far you want to take this where it goes from again passion enjoyment like this is the role I like to be involved into oh crap like now I'm having to get my hands into other areas and I don't love building decks as much or this like have you thought about where maybe that line is for you like I recall like in a se- in several ventures that I've been involved with like look out to, I love exercising and working out in gyms way more than I like owning a gym. I learned that lesson, you know, the hard way, raise money, open up the studio, do it, realize like I can't relax and train well in my own gym. I'm looking at everything from the air conditioning vent. Is everybody happy here? It's like trying to eat in your own restaurant, you know, a little bit. I mean, I I
1: can barely even go to restaurants, still other restaurants to this day, because I've been so programmed that I, I don't ever relax. My wife's like, can you just like chill out and not look at that light or talk to this person or ask the manager this? So I totally hear you. Um, I think I had such a negative experience so many times in hospitality owning venues that I, I made a really strong decision that if I'm not truly, truly enjoying something for the for the right reasons, like if it's not a selfish reason, if it's if it's not like if I'm not being a baby about something, but if it's something that I just really dread to do, I'm not gonna do it anymore. Like I was really trying to get into being a, getting into triathlons and Ironmans, but I literally hate swimming. I, I, I despise it. I'd rather not practice the swim and just go do the swim as just being an athlete and figuring it out the rest of the way on the bike and the run and making up time for that stuff. I hate it. I just hate swimming. And it's not that I'm not good at it. I got okay, but I just, I couldn't stare at that black line in the pool. Every single day. It just didn't bring me peace. So yeah, there's certain things, right? Like uh, everyone's like, when are you going to open a gym? When are you going to open a gym? And I'm just like, it's not happening. I don't want to do it. I know what it's like.
0: And look, there are no small problems in 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 small and small business. They're all you know they're big problems in small business. There are big problems in big business. There are no, you know, it's all a ton of work. I think you know a lot of times people underestimate the amount of work that goes into you know anything you put your heart, soul, and, and dollars you know into. So to your point, if it doesn't make you happy and you're not enjoying it, don't don't do it you know, because life's Thanks. life's too short for that. And I also like. Hmm. It's, it's funny you mentioned like in triathlon, it's like, I love the swim. Mm-hmm. Make the swim longer. Mm-hmm. Make the bike longer. I do not want to run on concrete. I don't want to put one foot in front of the other. The second I start running, mm-hmm, probably like me staring at the black line at the bottom of the pool. But everybody has has their thing.
1: Everyone. Mm-hmm. And that's what's beautiful about fitness too, right? It's like And, and about being a high performer, that it's so different. And that, that meaning is so different to everyone. Right. Like someone might be like, well, you're not a high performer dude, because you're kind of bitching out in the swim. And I look at it like, you know, I'm not going to bitch on the swim because I'm going to smoke the run. So it's like, it is what it is. Right. And and it's really personal in that sense. So I love that it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's not like a blanket statement of what being a high performer. is.
0: And I think both are
1: applicable, applicable. I sure. hear
0: yeah. this, Hey, get comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, all the time. Okay. Totally get it. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value in that. I also think there's a lot of value in get comfortable being comfortable. I don't think we have to chase discomfort all the time either. If there's something you really like and you're comfortable doing it and you're successful at it, and what's wrong with being comfortable? Also,
1: Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I I, listen. I I I love that saying, "Get comfortable being uncomfortable." I I think it's a really great tool for people to to learn and to get acclimated in that sense of, okay, certain things are going to be really hard in life. So get comfortable with that and get comfortable with becoming a fighter and be able to fight through that. But I don't know. I'm not going to go swim every single day because I just am chasing being uncomfortable in that Here's sense.
0: The other thing, the capacity to do it, I think is what matters. I have the capacity to do it. I could go out there certainly and get through it. It's just sure. not an activity I love to do. So I'm not going to do this every day. In, into there,
1: but, well, It's like golf, right? Like I have zero desire to play golf. I really yeah. do. I don't have that I'm kind of time. to go out on a you know, Saturday just, and play for 18 holes and come back at 4 p.m. where I haven't seen my kids all day, right? Just it's not going to happen. And I have no desire to do it. So- and I know. I don't how to, think I've
0: had a golfer actually on the podcast, and, I, and I'm certainly not one. I spent almost 15 years in the insurance and risk management business, and I can promise you, I'm the only guy that was not a golfer
1: necessarily. Yeah, I, I tell think you, this I've had a guy. And I'll tell you this: I golfer. would be really uncomfortable out there in the golf course because the boat <laughs> sucked.
0: Whatever you're into, again, I, I do it well, and 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 do things again that that make you happy. And we can continue to go down to down that path. When you talk about phrases nothing changes if nothing changes. Yeah. Like that's, that's one of your big ones.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's printed all over the, you know, it's put on the shorts. It's, it's on the hoodies. It's, it's on the shirt. Where did that come from? What does it mean? Mm-hmm. And you now how do you perpetuate that, that ethos, you know, out to, to other guys? What do you
1: mean by it? Yeah. So I saw it one day and I was just like, this is really awesome. And, No, I did not create it, right? I did not create that saying. Uh, I own it. I own the trademark for it and and many different facets of business. So, um, you know, I read it one day and I was just like, wow, I'm continually getting drunk and having really bad hangovers. um, Or even if I'm having a couple drinks and having really bad hangovers. And it's really starting to affect my personal life, the way I want to train. The way I want to just go about my day on the weekends, Saturday getting drunk and just ba- basically getting back to speed on Tuesday or Wednesday as I was getting older, and I said this has to change. You know, this has to really change. And I read it one day, and I said, like, "Wow, nothing changes. I don't stop this. How am I going to continue to grow, put on muscle, get strong, get fit, manage?" 400 employees at my restaurant group and, and be a leading figure there. How am I going to be a leader basically? Um, and I always made a pact with myself because my dad never really drank, just added this you know, necessity and maybe the same reason. I never wanted to see my kids have me or have a drink and let my kids see that. I never wanted my kids to see me drunk um, or not in control. So I think As we started to try to get pregnant, which was a horrific disaster, um, I made that pact with myself that I'm going to stop drinking. Um, And you know, it's been six years now. Granted, will like once in a while, if there's a big celebration for my wife or something that's really important for my family, will I have a toast? Sure, I'll do that. Um, But that's what really started. And nothing changes if nothing changes. And you can literally apply that to every single thing you do, every minute. And that's just the bottom line. Like, why is sometimes, why is your closet or your room always messy? It's like, you could tell your kids, well, when you take something off, put it back where it needs to go. And then your room won't be messy. It's just like, if you keep putting it in a different spot, you're going to keep losing it. Put it in the same spot and you won't lose it. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? And you have to start living a certain way. And I think for me, it was just like, okay, if I'm not going to stop drinking and doing these things, I'm not going to be able to become better. So, you know, something has to change in order for me to become better. And, you know, I, have been a homie with the guys from 10,000 since day one. I think I was in their first photo shoot ever with Eric Hinman and our relationship our relationship with this brand is great. And, you know, we partnered together and I licensed the name to them and, you know, we, we crush it with the nothing changes apparel and the 10,000 gear. We sell out all the time. People really resonate with the saying for many different reasons. And it goes back to what is a high performer. It means something different to everyone, and it goes now with what is nothing changes and nothing changes. It means something different to every single person, and I want it to be that personal for them that when they put on their shorts or they put on their hoodie or their tank top, they feel a sense of pride that maybe they've never felt before because they're changing something about themselves that they don't like.
0: Mm. We always look at the success. People tend to gravitate towards the success. They look at the pretty pictures, you know, they see the travel, you know, they see the whole, the, all the success. You know, when you circle back and you start talking about, okay, acknowledgement or self awareness, I was drinking too much. I need to make a change. You touched on it for a second, torn Achilles. Okay. And I, and I, you know, hey, I don't, I don't know if this is I I loved following your rehab process. Not that you obviously got hurt, sorry, no, but you it. got hurt. <laughs> but the way you also were transparent and owned the injury and coming back from the injury, you know, I thought was 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 tremendous. I mean, okay, you know, we've touched on alcohol a bit, and and a transition and transformation there. Torn Achilles, come back, you know, from injury to be training and performing at at. Mm-hmm. The highest of levels, you know that that are there. You touch now for a second on on fertility, you know, and yep. you've been outspoken on on fertility and the trials and tribulations of of getting pregnant, and and you haven't have a beautiful and healthy and wonderful family, mm-hmm. Mazel on on that. amazing but Thank you've been you. very transparent. Um, you touch business failures, you know things that didn't go well. Hey, we're talking about this, and I don't really want to talk about that. Like perseverance, you know. Like the chip on your shoulder, like whatever it is, how do you, you know, how do you deal you know, and how do you overcome failures? How do you persevere?
1: You know, well, I think how have you it, been it able to work back, through all this stuff? It goes back to confidence and it goes back to, I also like understand that everyone is really all fucked up too. Like everyone has issues. No one is fucking perfect. Everyone's a kind of a disaster in a way. Everyone's just figuring it out too. Even the richest people or the most successful people or You hear people who work at these mega companies that are just crushing it, but they're all over the fucking place. Like everyone has it. A lot of it, you know, people try to hide it, but listen, like you want to talk about being a high performer. I couldn't even get my wife fucking pregnant. Like that's like the ultimate non high performer, right? Like I couldn't even give my wife a kid. Right. So it's like, boom, maybe I was an high performer then in that sense, but like I'm human and I'm cool with knowing I fuck up and I cool. And I'm cool with knowing that, I'm not going to be the best at everything I do. But what I'll never allow is to like really be outworked in that sense of just I'm going to bring my A game all the time as much as I fucking possibly can as I'm on this earth because I now have really important people watching me, which are my two boys, and they need to see that. They need to see me get up every day, lace up my fucking shoes and go run. They need to see me go lift and get strong. They need to see me being a positive masculine force in their life for them to be the best they possibly can be. And that's what it all stems from. Like there is mega transparency with me. Like the fertility issues, no one's talking about male factor infertility. No one's talking about that. It's basically fucking 50% male and female that are causing these issues. No one's talking about that. If this continues to go on down the road, that in like 50 years, there's going to be a really huge reproduction reproductive problem in this world because of what we consume, the plastics, the environment, no one's talking about this. And I guess I had the balls (laughs) literally, (laughs) to say I have this issue. I'm the reason why my wife couldn't get pregnant because of male factor infertility. And I think more men need to talk about this because I'm confident enough to talk about it. And it doesn't make me less of a man. And once I did that, so many people came out through DMS to me like, dude, thank you so much. I'm going through this oh my God, I want to fucking kill myself. I can't get my wife pregnant. But if you can fight through it and you could do it, I know I have a shot. When I tore my Achilles, I tore two weeks before my first son was born. My wife wheeled me into the hospital when she was having contractions in labor. You want to talk about like taking your manhood away from you? That's what happened to me basically. I I felt like a loser. I felt like a deadbeat. I couldn't be the father that I always thought. When you you have your first kid that you like fly into the hospital, you're like Superman. No, dude, she pushed me. I'm in a boot. I'm in a fucking wheelchair like a bum. I've had businesses fail that I was supposed to make mega bucks and it didn't happen. But it goes back to as long as I know my worth, as long as I am secure, as long as I know I'm a good person and work hard, I will be able to, and the sun will rise tomorrow, I know I'm always in the fight. And you have to, again, do everything else right in your life in order for that mentality and that clarity to all operate at the same time in order to do that. Mm.
0: What does your day look like? Take me through, start kind of typical Brian Mazza start to finish. Can you put out there, hey, I want my boys to see me do this and, you know, want to always be in the fight. What is... Take me through the typical Brian Moss day. Not the one. I mean, the one I see on social is probably a little close, but I'm curious to see how this yeah, matches no, so I get What's I get it. What's to, in my head to what, you know, your typical day.
1: <laughs> I get up really early. So super early. So when I first started, to, when we first started having kids, I selfishly was getting up earlier and earlier so I can have me time or I can have my coffee and enjoy it. I can go to the bathroom in peace. I can catch up on emails. I can do certain things that when I knew when my first son would get up, that I could spend really cool quality cuddling time with him. So I started doing that. So started getting up at four. So that's the time I usually get up, do my thing. But now my kids aren't sleeping. So they're getting up at like 4.45, 5 a.m. So it's like really crushing my my time. But whatever, it's super cute in the morning. So I get to spend that really great time with them. So I'm up really early, try to accomplish as much as I can for me. Um, and I do that. And then it's it's daddy time. So I'm, it's daddy time literally until like 8.30 in the morning. Um, I take them to school. I get them dressed. You know, we make lunch, we have breakfast together, we wrestle, we mess around. And then once I drop them off at school, it's if I ever have calls or, you know, I usually like to put fitness first. So I go get a, a run in um, and I always lift in the afternoon. So I lift three days a week in the afternoon, but I run every single day, usually in the morning. And sometimes, you know, my wife and I split the, the responsibilities. If I have like an 18 mile run, I'll leave a little early and she'll take the kids to school. As, as long as I take care of my tasks with them in the morning. Um, But yeah, so that's what it looks like I come back from my run. And now that I'm starting to run without music and um, all that, that's another hurdle of adversity and stress and all this stuff I need to get over because my phone is left at home and tons of messages and emails are coming in. But I think it's the best for me in terms of performing as a runner, not to worry about if I got a text message about something with work or someone's calling me, you know, they can wait until I get back until I can really give them my undivided attention. So then it's usually, you know, say say it's not an 18 mile run day, say it's like a six or 10 mile run day. I will be back in an hour and something. And then it's just work, crush work all day, you know, fuel, have my protein, time protein, usually every three hours, Um, eat relatively clean, again, full transparency. I'm not like, on a mega diet. I don't eat mega clean. I enjoy food. I enjoy pizza. I enjoy bacon cheeseburgers and I indulge and have them, but I also work my ass off. So kind of can outwork that side of things. But, and again, I want to be transparent. People, I put that post up the other day about my diet. Like people might think I'm, you know, trying to do this mega clean life. Sometimes it's really not about that for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I really love to pick up my, my boys from school. So I try to be as, you know, as, as hands on there and do that and then come back and it's crush work, more work. If I have a lifting session, it's one hour that I go attack that and take calls in the car constantly. And then it's try to be as present as I can for dinner time with them. And then if I have to do a zoom or a call, it's you know eight to nine nine thirty. I'm doing that. And if not, I'm in bed by eight thirty. Mmm. That's a day. That's a day. And you know what it is? It's it's a day that's jam-packed, but it's a day of usually positive stuff. Um and, you know, we spoke about this about being rich and being wealthy. I'm the wealthiest man in the world because I get to take my kids to school. I get to pick them up from school. I get to be around them as much as I possibly can. And for me, that will always be the factor of wealth.
0: Mm. Well, well said. What's exciting to you now? I mean, obviously. We just touched on first and foremost, you know, what comes first, what's exciting to you now, what are you working on, uh, brands, products, ventures, you know, like, like what's, what's filling the tank for you?
1: Yeah, it's, it's cool. You know, for me, it, it, I think the majority of the tank is going to see how much more I can push myself as an athlete, um, as I'm getting older, seeing how much better I can get and seeing how young I can still stay in terms of fitness. I think that is what I'm really chasing a lot of. So that's what really turns me on, to be honest with you. Like, it's my heart rate low on my runs. That's what's it's getting <laughs> turned me on. My wife's like, you you need help. Um, I try to talk to her about it. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, yeah, I mean, really? It's like 142. She's like, what? The time's not 142. Um, so that, um, you know, I'm working with some really big brands right now uh, for 2022, which you guys will hear about soon. Um, the, the venture capital fund is cranking. We have three huge deals that we're going to do in 2022 in the consumer goods um, world um, that we really believe in, and we think that's going to these brands are going to skyrocket. So that's what we're stoked about. Um, we're launching the HBLT games, which is going to be a huge new format that's going to give High Rocks and Spartan Games a good run for their money. In um, that sense, with a huge prize purse at the end of the year, um, which is going to really separate us from them. And that's just the access we have with a lot of these brands too that are going to get down with that. Um, what else are we chasing? Uh, that, what, are, what else is making me, me really happy? It's basically, oh, my son just started doing jujitsu, which is really cool. So I actually might start doing that so I can practice with him. So that might it's, be the next sport that I try to get involved. It's
0: in. freaking awesome. We're late to the game. You know, my boys and I. I mean, I've I've been boxing for a very long time. Um, always enjoyed that. We're late to the jujitsu game, um, but my boys and I are now doing it and freaking love it. You yeah. um, know, it's been a big theme on the podcast too for for reason. I think high performing men are gravitating towards, you know, jujitsu just had Bobby Maximus on the other day. You know, Bobby just won his Isn't gold medal the other day.
1: Mike Simpson was on. I yeah. have the best relationship with Bobby Maximus, by the way. He's it's, fucking great. It's the best. We he's, just he, rip on each other all day long. It's really good. He's
0: got just such a great personality too. And I am like, yeah, he's a good dude. I had a really great conversation, with him, but I think you guys are going to love jujitsu. It's it's something I wish that we started earlier. Um, and I had taken Tim Kennedy's uh, Sheepdog Response course, um, and going through the grappling, you know, the combatives portion of that just got immediately hooked. Like it's incredible what you don't know, and what a guy with skill can do. No matter how, no matter what shape you're in you know,
1: stay later, buddy. Yeah. That's why I'm really happy that my kid is doing it because, you know, I think it's going to get to a point where he's going to get into an altercation or he's going to get into some sort of problem in school. And I think him knowing that he can destroy and conquer very quickly will be great for him to walk away from the problem rather than getting into a problem and trying to fend for himself, not knowing.
0: Yep. It's, it's, Look, it's a great perspective, and it's back to confidence and security, you know, um, and and a life skill, you know, out there. And I'm super stoked for for the games in Austin. That's just a quick two, and that's just a quick drive for me, man.
1: So, yes, yeah, so you should come check it out. It's going to be on that Saturday of the weekend. Um, we're doing it at the Collective with Jeremy Hills and his crew, and um, rented out the whole parking lot, and we're going to have around fifty to sixty athletes beta test this version of what we're trying to do, and. I already know who's going to be the fittest, but <laughs> no, it's not me because I'm I'm good, not going to be participating and it wouldn't be me even if I was participating, but I have my my clear indication who I think is going to win it. Um, so it's, it should be really fun. And I think, you know, really finding that the fittest civilian is going to be something super cool. And we're just happy to bring it to life because we've been talking about it for two years and it's finally coming together.
0: Very cool. That is one thing that uh, that is apparent and is consistent that you, know, you have ideas, and you execute. You know on ideas. There's there's a lot of talk, you know, around on a lot of things. But when you see these ideas actually get executed and through fruition, you go, wait a minute, that was announced, and then that actually happened. You know, <laughs> that yeah. was well, back
1: about- to this. Like, listen, if, if for anybody, if you're going to wear the white cleats, you better back it up. <laughs> I love that. Listen, I know you got an early flight, uh, out of the country
0: tomorrow. You've been amazing with your time. It's always great to catch up, you know, with you, um, from a distance from afar back to the D10 early tone house days, bumping into each other, watching the evolution of everything that you've been able to, to accomplish personally and professionally. Um, I'm thrilled for you, man. It's, it's, it's freaking awesome and, and it's authentic and it resonates and connects and it's highly inspirational. So, uh,
1: I appreciate it. That. And I'm happy we were able to do this. Yeah. I have an early flight, but you know, it's just a flight. So we're all good. Brian Maza, midlife mail podcast.
0: Where do people find you? I can't believe that this, where do they find you know what you're up to and get involved with, with all of these things.
1: Sure. Well, I'm not going to give my running route so they don't come <laughs> get me there, but you can, the best thing to find me is, um, on IG. It's probably the easiest way to access me. Um, it's just my name there. And, uh, you know, if you go on my page, there's, there's definitely different ways to get access to me in terms of emailing me or checking out the website and inquiring about what we're, we're doing. Um, but, you know, stay tuned. We're going to have a games probably in a city near you and a, a summit probably in a, in a city near you as well. So get used to hearing from other high performers and putting your athletic ability and mental capacity to the test
0: all right guys brian Maza, follow him continue to follow him the high performance lifestyle it is attainable
1: 100 mm-hmm. percent.
0: it is attainable you can do it get involved in the games nothing changes if nothing changes so just start okay if you need inspiration you need motivation you're not sure whether it's possible or probable take a fucking look okay because it is out there um and it's, and it's awesome. It's aspirational, it's attainable, and it is right here. This week, if you like what you hear, give us the five-star rating, leave us that nice review, send this and share this with your friends, family, and everybody else. Keep the Midlife Mail movement growing. Brian, thank you so much for your time, buddy.
1: Thanks, brother. I appreciate it.
0: If you're interested in coaching and taking this conversation deeper so that you can achieve your personal and professional goals, be sure to head over to midlifemail.com and check out the work with me page to explore options.